You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Tell the What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. I'm joined alongside the great Mike Wall. Spent 11 years in the NFL as an offensive lineman. Spent seven with your Green Bay Packers, uh, Pro Bowl guard. Now doing great things over at Process to Perform. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeWall68. Mike, how, how's life been treating you, buddy? Hey, good good to have you. Good to uh, be on. Good to see you again. Life is going really well. Uh, it looks like it's, it might be nicer in Green Bay, Wisconsin than it is in Texas right now. It looks gorgeous out there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. This was a, a shot earlier. Bill Huber tweeted out from practice today. Looks like it's gorgeous weather. Good good day to get out there and pop them pads a little bit, right? If, if they'll let them, Mike. I don't know if they'll let them nowadays in practice. But. Yeah, I think there's like 13, 13 practices you get to put pads on now. But here's the deal. It's 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 actually semantics because you – you can put the shoulder pads on. You just can't put like full gear on. But if the shoulder pads on, it's it's go time. Uh, but we we talk about it like if you're an offensive lineman, you got to put your knee braces on. You got to put your pants on. It, you're not cutting. You're not tackling the quarterback. Nothing really changes. But it's just like it, it does wear on you a little bit more. But yeah. you can still put shoulder pads. Like a lot of the stuff that we complain about and why they're not practicing and this and that because they're not in pads. Like you can go. You can put your shoulder pads on every day if you want. Wow. Yeah, yeah, see, we learn something every time. Every time, I thought they were just out there, you know, just walking through the motions. So. Well, they are. No, that's exactly what they're doing. It's just they don't have to. That's my. That's my that's gotcha. Point. Gotcha. We got a we got a question here. We're gonna go off cuff right off the bat. If that's all right with you, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, Josh Martin, thank you for the super chat. He said, "Can you ask Mr. Wall what the locker room atmosphere is like in a situation that Buffalo is in? A coach getting fired mid-season? Does it help or hurt?" Um, Mike, have you ever been been on a team where where the coaching staff got you know kind of yeah. kind of dissolved? I know in that situation it's just the OC, but um, what's been your experience with that type of thing? Usually, if well, it depends. If if the guy is thought to have been the source of the, it sounds like he was a straw man in this situation. Yeah, that's just me. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. they're like they're still top ten in offense. This is ridiculous. Right, like the Packers would die to have their offense. Oh, um, I pointed that out last night. It was like sixth in uh, yards per play, eighth in points per play. Like they're top ten, legit. They're just 10. not as good as they should be, and that's the problem. And you know, like this, they were obviously the quarterback looked better with Dayball, but yes, yeah, things happen. Um, but here's the thing: if if people believe that 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 he was the source of the problem, and they have anybody else, what's going to happen is most likely what's going to because they're not going to change the offense they don't have time to install a bunch of new stuff or you know teach new concepts so they're going to have this like bump in 
performance for a couple games and then they'll, they'll revert back to their mean during the season. That's what happens. You get a new head coach, new coordinator. Guys usually bump it up. You see Antonio Pierce right now is a good example that I hope bucks the trend, but he's 2-0. and As soon as you get rid of McDaniels, who was clearly a problem in, in the terms of that locker room environment for everybody else, and everybody loves Antonio Pierce, um, you see the bump in production. The same thing happened when I was with the staff with um, Miami. and they, Joe Philbin got fired. Dan Campbell was 3-0 and his first three, and then we lost like the last four. Because you, you still are who you are. Tigers doesn't change his stripes. But you do get this elevated level of play. And it, it kind of – it's interesting because it usually goes to show really the kind of guys that you have on your team or the culture, the atmosphere you have. So even if your offense and or defense isn't doing well and you, you fire that guy. Like, for example, Mike Sherman – I'm 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 uh, I'm going I'm what's it diverting what's the word I'm looking for I'm I'm getting off topic but Mike Sherman uh, yeah yeah right <laughs> Mike Sherman used to when things got bad Rosley Tom Rosley was our coordinator he'd just tell Rosley like you're not fired but like you're also not calling the plays anymore I'm calling <laughs> the plays right so he wouldn't fire Tom because he's still the head coach you still need a coordinator but Mike could start when things got bad Mike start calling the plays and start playing better gotcha and, and I, it wasn't necessarily. Let me rephrase that. Mike did call the game plan better, in my opinion, but that might not even be the problem. The problem might be that now the head coach is calling the plays and the buck stops with him. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Um, well, let me ask you this. Let me kind of piggyback off that, man. Um, you, you know, it's it's fire everyone's season right now. I'm sure you've seen it. <laughs> Everybody needs to be fired. Um, do, you, do you see, when you look at, the situation in Green Bay, and we're going to talk specifically about the offense and the defense here in a second, but when you look at the situation in Green Bay, um, do you think that some of those people calling for a coaching change and, and hey, look, we need we just need a new regime in here, do you think it's warranted? Or when you look at it, do you you kind of find yourself like, okay, they're, they're a little void of talent? What do you – we're just having a hard time putting our finger on it all because people, you know, we – we hear people talk all the time about Goody's draft classes, and there's a ton of talent on that defense, a ton of draft capital went into it, right, this, that, and, and Those third. are two different things, though, right, Clayton? Right. Just to be yeah. clear, yeah. draft capital and talent, like you can have a lot of draft capital and not and not draft well, and Bingo. sorry. No, no, I, we completely agree. We're on the same page there. So it's like you you look at the, the, the quote-unquote talent on the field and you look at, okay, the scheme and, and what's really going wrong. I loved your breakdown on the defensive side of the ball against Pittsburgh. Um you know, I, I guess that's my question for you is, do you think that's that's warranted for, for changing the coaching staff in Green Bay right now, or do you think it's too early? Uh, I never want to call for somebody losing their job, even if the right. guys are guaranteed contracts, which is the bane of our existence, I think, as players. <laughs> um, but I, I would say this. I have questioned at multiple times over the last two, three years, the problems that you have had in Green Bay, Wisconsin – are the same problems when you were 13 and three, you know, three years ago, two years ago, last year, when you go about around 500 and yep. you have, you have the exact, every single year you have the same problems. The only difference is you don't have guys that can bail out, bail out some of the, the, the calls or the situations. Bingo. Everybody thinks the offensive line is playing worse here. They might very well be results based worse now. And I don't know if I don't think I think that Stenovich is probably a better offensive line coach than whoever's in there now. I mean, that's I think that's a, a pretty fair statement just based on footwork, body position, the way they execute double teams, the Cam Hayward thing we were just talking about. But they could be playing the exact same level and you don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback all of a sudden. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, you guys aren't you guys aren't nearly what we thought you were. And it's like, well, we were we never changed. Your perception of us is changing because we don't have Aaron Rodgers. Right. And I think 
more than anything else on offense, that's the problem. You just don't have that dude that's getting you out of bad plays, changing the play at the line of scrimmage, making th- making the giving all the gimme throws or, or completions, all the, the difficult throws or completions. Like it's all gone. So that looks different. And is Matt LaFleur the right guy to create a top five offense with that structure? I mean, you know what it looks like right now. It'd be interesting to see what it looks like next year. Right now, defensively, it's a whole different conversation because this has been going on for a while. Yeah. Right? They've they've been underperforming for a while. And here's here's the thing: the statistics aren't telling because right now they look like they're a top ten defense. But when you play, but they, at the same time, they gave up 205 yards rushing to a team <laughs> that was in the bottom ten in rushing yards per game. They averaged like 90 yards a game. That's not a good rushing team. And the thing is, like, anybody who watches film would tell you, make Kenny Pickett and Matt Canada win that game with their creativity and execution from the passing side. Do not let Najee Harris, I forgot the Kyle Warren, that offensive line, who are all playing pretty well, do not let them dominate the game. Do everything you can to stop the run and force Kenny Pickett to be the hero. And they did the exact opposite. He became a game manager. They ran all over the board. It felt like they fell forward for five yards plus every single run, total domination up front. So what do you think was wrong with the run defense? Because, I, you know, as I'm watching tape, I'm seeing some plays like, you know, the deep pass interference call on uh, who was it? I think it was Carrington Valentine, right? Mm. That play there, we had kind of a loaded box. We're playing press man on the outside. It kind of feels like, okay, you're loading the box. You're playing the run here. Right. And then later on, I think you had the explosive to uh, uh, Pickens. Right. Same type of situation. That was a good coverage, though. That was good coverage by that kid. I mean, listen, yeah, Jair's Jair Alexander's hurt. You just traded your your best corner who's been healthy. Don't you say team leader. (laughs) You You know what I mean? It's like it's like it's like um, this is what's this is what's hard about sports. So Goody trades Rasul Douglas, who's your who's a who's a team leader. We've already said he's the glue in the locker room. I mean, not we, them. Players. The, the, okay. The players. And your your best corners hurt. And now you're out there getting, you know, plays are being made, blah, blah, blah. You're not, you know, you're, you're having a hard time filling the filling the the, the uh, channels in, in the run in, in the run game. You get Goody gets to say. Well, I'm looking forward to the future. I got rid of Rasul Douglas for, for a draft pick. The coach gets to go, well, you just got rid of my starting cornerback <laughs> and the and the second one's hurt and I'm playing with two backups. Yeah. And everybody you – know, but in the – you're still – like you still have to go out there and play. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, are you, are you developing these guys to the point that they can play at a high level? And I, by the way, I don't even think they were the problem, to be, to be fair. I'm just telling you like how this right. – like how the system kind of feeds on itself, right? Yeah. You're talking specifically about the Steelers. Dude, they ran gap and and zone lead and zone all day as much as you wanted. Darnell Washington, who we could have picked up, absolutely is a weapon off the ball, can handle their defensive end or our defensive ends in the running. Not dominate, handle, right. right? So they're blocking with six offensive linemen and a nickel box all the time. For whatever reason, as opposed to the Rams game, when you're playing a, a quarterback who can't throw the ball, it's kind of like Kenny Pickett as far as we're, we want him to be the hero. We stopped for pressing the line of scrimmage. 
We stop having our linebackers shoot gaps. We play soft. We let the double teams come back and get and get the linebackers four yards deep. And it's like you completely changed the success you found the week before. You decided to revert back to, you know, three weeks ago, you're playing against Minnesota or these, these teams that you got kind of beat up a little bit with. And I don't like that for me, you know, go back to the Denver. I don't understand. You finally found something that works. Right. Why don't, why don't lean in? You have Isaiah McDuffie in the field instead of Quay, who's a more aggressive player anyways. Like, why don't you lean into that? And as you look at the bigger picture, Clayton, I know we're kind of going, I'm going over, going over the limit here. No, this is great. It's great. When you look at this roster and you look at what Joe Barry wants to do on defense, are we going to really sit here and say, and this is not a knock on anybody and it's not a knock on Joe Barry in, in particular, but are we going to sit here and say that Quay and Devondre Campbell are three, four linebackers? Mm. Like really good. Like, is that, is that the model you want? And are we going to say that Kenny Clark would not be better as a, as a penetrating three technique? And he, sh- I mean, I, he's really good at what he does. Right. right. Are we, are we going to, is that, is that what the argument is? Are we going to say that, that Lucas Van Ness, you picked 13th in the draft, shouldn't be playing with his hand in the dirt? Like, are, like, like are all these things, it, it seems, it seems so, um, it seems so obvious to mm-hmm. not, I'm not a layman, but I'm not in the building. I'm not watching as much shape as they do. Right. But you watch some of this stuff and you go, I could, I could tell you why you're, you're some of the, with some of the stuff with some of these players, they don't match what you're asking them to do. It doesn't make sense. Got it. You said a whole lot there. I'm going to, I want to kind of back up just a second. First of all, Van Ness hearing Greg Cosell, the first time I heard Greg Cosell is he was watching the tape and everything early on. And he was talking about what he was hearing out of green Bay is they were, they were not interested in playing him inside any at all. They were going to strictly make him make him an outside linebacker edge defender type thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe oh, he didn't I, really hear that. I, I'm all for that. I, okay. So I don't, I like, here's the thing. He doesn't weigh enough to go inside because right. he doesn't have enough moves. Like you, I, I, for whatever reason, because he's an Iowa kid, I always think back to Aaron Cameron, who's going to the Packer Hall of Fame. Congratulations, buddy. Um, but Aaron had moves at, when he moved inside, so mm-hmm. he could do stuff. He actually play, spent an entire training camp at three technique, and he was a yeah. little bit, you know, he's like 275, 280 pounds. No. I'm, what I'm saying is Preston plays stand up really well. Uh, I think Gary plays stand up really well. I think Gary would be better in a three point when he pass rushes and I'm, and Lucas Van Ness would be better in a three point at yeah. any part of the game, just because from a leverage standpoint, he, he just would, he, he would, you saw him in college. He plays right. better in a three point than he does in a two. If he did it in college against bad players, that's going to be true against good players. So I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd move him around as much as just say like, you know, the whole t- discussion this week about uh hand in the ground two po- we have two guys and that whole stupid thing. I would say, Certain guys will play better leverage-wise if you put their hand in the ground. Like I, the offensive linemen I work with that all are in like two-point stances all the time, I'm like, dude, no, we're doing at least 40% of the game you're in three-point because you play lower in three-point and it'll help you in your two. It's the same thing with the defense. You just got to gotta train yourself to do it. Got it. Got it. So when you when you talk about us kind of reverting back to what we were, right, mm-hmm. and, and, and like you said on your, your clip earlier, I think it was yesterday maybe, it's almost like the linebackers are playing catch. They're they're catching the run rather than attacking the run. Like the week before, you see McDuffie shooting the gaps, right, and all that. You so you think that is a that's a defensive coordinator call there that he's telling those guys, hey, look, 
you need to play soft back as far yeah, as the so, Packers? So, okay. so there's there's a couple of things there. So if you go back, um, I'm just looking at the schedule again. If okay, so you go back against the, I think against the, was it the Vikings or the Broncos who they played with a fullback a lot? And the key was as soon as you played with a fullback, we were sh- the first guy was shooting the gap play side. We were tagging fullback line of scrimmage, okay, and then we'd, we'd play like we'd play smash and smash and go over top, okay. Yeah. So that's 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 a call. Now against the Rams, the Rams sometimes they were suit they were sending a guy like early, but anytime what, what you're trying to do essentially is you're trying to turn the double team at the at the at the guard center level into mm-hmm. a single block, and you do that two ways. One, that guy Cam Hayward who did it against us, does it against everybody, will literally just turn and face one of them like, no, you're blocking me. He's not going to block me. <laughs> I'm not and paying so, attention to you. <laughs> yeah, so, so you're not going to get any – you're not going to get any surface area. So now you can go try to block the linebacker, but I'm going to win on the line of scrimmage, okay? So that's the first way you can do it. The second way you do it is you shoot the linebacker and you force that guard or center tackle to get off the block. Otherwise, you're going to be in the gap at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage making the play. Mm-hmm. What we do at times is we'll shoot – but too often in this game, and maybe it's because they were getting good movement. I don't know, but you're getting pushed back into the linebacker's lap, and it's like if you're going to do that, then it's then we're going to have those those eight yard runs because I'm going to fall off eventually. But it's not going to be until you know we're six six seven yards down the the, the line, off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, like you said, you know, I think on your clip you said if you move a defensive lineman one yard back, that equals three for the back himself. Right. Yep. I mean, yeah. Just... One yard, one yard of vertical push. And this isn't like, you know, this is kind of anecdotal, yeah. but one yard of vertical push that, that running back's going to get three yards at it. You just figure he's going to fall forward for another six feet. Got it. So if we were to switch over to the offensive side of the ball and say, okay, we know, we know now we've talked about here's, here's why they ran for two Oh five. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it was from green Bay's standpoint. Why do you think the running game has struggled so much and specifically there against the Steelers? Cause you know, like you said in your video, minus a minus AJ Dillon, that big run, right. Which I, I thought you, I mean, that hat count manipulation, the, the garden to tackle over getting plus one, really plus two. If you count the back, like pretty good call, right. Outside of yeah. that, my God, it was, it was abysmal. Right. So what do you think went wrong with the running game there? Is it lack of talent? Are they getting blown off the ball? really just like you said from the defense's perspective too. Um, what do you think the problem is there? Why why do you think Pittsburgh was was uh was able to dominate on run defense and maybe kind of tied into why Green Bay can't dominate on run defense? Listen, the the simple answer is the Steelers play a brand like the Steelers defense hasn't been the Steelers defense in a couple of years. They're starting to get back to it. But when when everybody's healthy, when your Cam Hayward's are healthy, when Minka's healthy, like Right. They play a certain brand of ball there. There's a culture that comes along with being a Pittsburgh Steeler. Amen. Right. Mike Tomlin's got a culture that he that permeates throughout that building. Bill Cowher had the same, you know, same thing. Yep. And you are going to be a physical football team if you're going to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, or you're not going to play. And that's not the case with every team in the league. And the I think at the very base level, they're the more physical team. That if you if you look at the two teams personality-wise, what's their makeup? Offensive versus defensive line ours versus theirs they're the more physical team period okay now when you start talking about schematics why aren't things working well if you're trying to run a double team like john Runyon jr turns and gets blown up by the linebacker and everyone's oh john yeah, yeah, this guy this guy okay he got blown up and it's that's that's on him but you start looking at that play and what happened we all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. 
So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Rashid Walker gets thrown on the ground by Cam Hayward. Luke Musgrave gets thrown over the top by Cam Hayward. Cam's sitting in at the line of scrimmage. Doesn't have to move a muscle. <laughs> and now you're asking the guard to pull around this guy who's just standing there. And this linebacker's coming down like a damn missile. Okay. And there's no curve anymore. It's like, you got to make a hard, a hard right. Right. That's not how you're going to win games. And of course on paper, you're like, dude, I got a double team, Rasheed Walker and Luke Musgrave on, on Cam Hayward. And I'm going, that looks really good on paper, but that's <laughs> Cam Hayward, dude. Like yeah. he's, he's, he, I think he's a hall of famer. Like he's one of the best I've seen play that kind of, three, four defensive end position. Yeah. So you just have to, you have to get more physical. You have to just simple stuff. You got to gain, gain ground with your second step. You got to get your hands inside. You know, you, you have to, the Rams game, even 91, the rookie is beating Myers. You know, the kid's got 10 tackles, you know, Byron Young, the other rookie zero has got 10 tackles. So the, like, we're not winning our 1v1 matchups, much less these, these double teams against really high-level guys. Bottom line, if players are playing downhill, I mean, we had some – like, there's some plays to be made in those games. But bottom line, you're playing a really fast, aggressive defense. You're giving them no reason to, to value the pass game, really, right? Like, Because right. they, you got to remember, the Pittsburgh Steelers are used to giving up 375 yards a game. Mm-hmm. They just – sorry about that. They just – That's right. They just give up 20 points. So 375 yards a game, 20 points. Right? 20, 20 some odd rank in, in yards per yards per game allowed. And then they're, you know, top 10 in, in points. I mean, that's just that's just how they roll. So yeah. 
they're they're going to be who they are and play and beat you up up front and just put you in these situations where it's constantly second and eight, third and seven, and you, you get you off the field eventually. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk Jordan Love for a second. Um, I know you've watched the tape, and and you know it's it's amazing how as Packer fans we all break down into these factions. It's Jordan Love's fault. No, it's Christian Watson's fault. No, it's Matt Lafleur's fault. I, I'm of the opinion it's everyone's fault. But mm-hmm. like that that play that we talked about, I, I heard you talk about. You know the one that Lafleur referred to as Omaha pump. You called it a chair route, right? I've heard, I've heard it called an out and up. Whatever. There's yeah. a number of different terms. Um, that play there, you know, just kind of the microcosm of everything that's went wrong this year in the passing game. Right. Wasn't a great pass, but what are you doing taking a long strider and trying to run an out and up inside the red zone? Like, it's just, it just feels like more can go wrong than right there. Although I think we would agree. Like if you, if you look at Musgrave off the double move, you probably had the seam once the safety committed to the out and up. But what do you think uh, about Jordan Love? How would you assess him? Do you think based off what you've seen, do you feel comfortable saying he's the quarterback of the future? Do you feel, nah, we're not sure yet, going to take more time? Or do you think, nah, probably not the guy? What, how would you answer that, do you think? You know, this is such a difficult question because of this. He's a fourth-year player. Yeah. he's. This isn't his – you know, this isn't C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, you know, Anthony Richardson. Right. Although he's a first-year starter, he's four years in the National Football League. And so – the hard part about Jordan, Jordan Love is like one of those guys, we call them we call them two or three tenure quarterbacks. And I'm, I'm saying this, like, I'm not saying it to be mean. It just, Jordan Love has enough talent where if you have an, luckily we don't have an owner, but your owner or GM, they're going to look at it and go, no, he's talented. You're like Matt LaFleur coach. You're not getting the job done or your staff's not. So we, we're going to fire you and they'll bring in a new staff because he's got that level of talent where you're like, dude, he can make every throw. He's got, you know, he does all this stuff, but to be a really good elite level quarterback in this league, top 10 guy who can win games, be the reason that you win on a consistent basis. Like you can't miss the arrow route, you know, in the flat, you know, five times out of 10 to Aaron Jones, like, which is what we see all the time. You can't miss these reads where, and I like it's hindsight on tapes. Like certainly I'm I'm a lineman dude, but like hindsight (laughs) is easy for me to look at, but you got the whip route on the third and six. And you throw the crosser when the when the linebackers got leverage, it's like yeah. it, it it was an easy it was an easy man completion on the backside, and it just feels like he doesn't he does a lot of this stuff well, he doesn't do a lot of the easy stuff in the manner that makes it look easy. And there's a there'll be probably a time where that all clicks in, but right. it's like it's I think the next couple of weeks you really have to look at like all right, dude. We need you to make the easy completions, right? I think I think the team would all I think we'd all agree that the team has enough talent to get to the twenty point mark more yeah. often than they do. Absolutely, right. And if you're not getting to the twenty point mark against some of the teams that you play, and quite frankly, don't have top ten defenses, then you got to go. Why is that happening? All right, we've clearly we're, we're not we were better this week on the deep ball, but we haven't been great on the deep ball intermediate route, like. Get take the gimmies, make the right pre-snap reads, process as fast, you know, work on your process pre-snap. Like for, if I was Jordan Love's coach, we would be watching nothing but pre-snap looks, going to being crystal clear on exactly where we're going each route. And then we'd just be working processing every single day. I'm going to take away one, you go to two. I'm going to take away two, you go to three. Like we'd just be working and, and just keep it. Concepts are all going to be there. How many concepts are there? 
I mean, really with this right, team, right, they, right. they really need, right? Like, yeah. under, make sure you understand those concepts so well that, you, you know, pre-snap, I'm going here. Post-snap, I take a look, blah, 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 bang, bang, bang. And I'm just, I just feel good about it. I'm sure that's what they're doing in theory. But like that, the practice of that is, the practice of that certainly varies over different teams. That's why you see the quality of play different uh, across these different venues. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what you said there too, it's, it's what I like to really do is key in on, okay, what are the concepts that they lean on the most, right? What's the mm-hmm. tendency there? Because if I can pick it up, the other DC can darn sure pick it up on tape. If some dumb redneck from Tennessee can do it. But what I've seen a lot of is slot cross. I've seen a lot of wolf and a lot of wolf with the whip, like you just talked about. Um, so, yeah, it's it's so crazy. You hit the nail on the head because when you look at Jordan Love, it's like he leaves a lot of throws out there. Forget the inaccuracy for a minute. Just the hey, there's there's the go to right there. There there is the easy out. Take it. Let's live to play another down here, right? Let's move the chains and stay on schedule. But when you seen him throw that deep crosser to Jaden Reed, I was like, that that's not normal, right? I mean, that was a that was an unbelievable throw. So I find myself going back and forth like that that is top notch throw. And then you get right back to the the chair route. And it's like, why are you trying to fit that ball in there when you had other options? Right. It's just, it's tough. It's tough. You know, this is the thing that like, we all have to remember too. First of all, I, it's, it's, it's great that everybody can have access to tape and we can all put up clips and talk about it. It's, I mean, that it, it really drives the fan, the fan base. And I think that from that part, I think it's good, but it also does. I think it does real damage because, 99% of the people have no idea what they're looking at. Contextually, contextually, it's 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 they're not on the same page as the as the players who are playing the game or the coaches who are, who are making the calls. Absolutely. And and unfortunately, like you saw at the press conference with, with Coach LaFleur this weekend or this week, after another loss, you know, he's getting frustrated and they're talking about this and that. And he's saying how you know silly the, this proves people don't know what they're talking about. I don't remember the exact context, but it was it's kind of right. like he, he's taking you to task about it, and it's like well, this is the this is what we got to live with now, unfortunately, right? Um, what I what I would say is this: it's always been in, inexplicable to me, as a as a player, that you can't get thirty two good quarterbacks in the league, right? Yeah. And there's not and and so you know when you say like when you say that crosser to read is like elite, I go I go yeah, I mean I get it's a good throw, mm-hmm. but like how many college kids can make that throw really? Like I think there's a lot of them. You know, I mean, I, Fair you know, point. I, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of kids that can make it. So, so for me, I, I'm going to re- rephrase this another way. Brock Purdy doesn't have the arm, the blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. He was a last pick in the draft. What does Brock Purdy do better than Jordan Love right now? We know for a fact, he, I, he has better coaching, but what hmm. do we know he does better? He processes things pre and post snap better than, than Jordan Love does. I mean, yeah, we fair. can't measure that. We can't probably measure that in any way that's going to be meaningful on the show. But I think objectively, we'd all, we, we could all sit there and go, everything points to the fact that he's a pretty good processor of information and, and action item guy, right? And yeah. that's what makes players elite. And I think sometimes we fall in love with the like our ceiling. Like, man, that throw that he made that was amazing, the run, the, the broken tackle, whatever it was. And we stop thinking about like we got to get his floor way higher than it is. Like, yeah. don't worry about raising the ceiling, dude. You got to raise the floor on this guy. Hey, man, get the yeah. floor up, and you'll be okay. Definitely. Uh, Jake asked, actually asked a question here. Jake Shavink here in the chat said, "Does Matt need help with the short passing game, or does Jay Love need to hit the layups more?" I tend to lean toward 
the latter, right? I mean, when yeah. I look at the passing game, I, I'm seeing I'm seeing answers to the equation. It's yeah. just Jordan isn't quite getting there. Am I seeing that right or wrong there? Hey, I think you're probably – listen, the, the, the hard part when your offense isn't operating well is like – and they took more shots. They got more big plays this week this week than yeah. they have in a while, for sure. But what, if, if, you, if you're tasked with going 80 yards, like most defenses, the Steelers are one of them. We're like, I dare you to go 80 yards on us, okay? Mm-hmm. Because the short passing game and all this stuff, you start looking at it and you go, I've got six yards here, seven yards there. Someone's going to get a holding call. They're going to run up – they're going to have a run play and Cam Hayward's going to blow it up. And all of a sudden you're back to like second and 11, right. third and nine. And all the, now you got to make the play. And that's what's, that's why people try to get, you know, chunk plays. And yeah. so Jordan's, all of this is a conglomeration of the, uh, the point you made earlier. It's not one thing or one person. It's listen, if all, if, if you, if you ran all the routes out there and, and his first free, like, Hey, we're taking the check down every time. Or we're, we're throwing the arrow every time. And that's all we're going to do in practice. I don't want you to throw the 15-yard dig. I don't want you to throw the trail across. I don't want you to throw the sail seven. I want you to throw the wheel or the arrow or the stick. That's it. You don't get to throw anything else. He'd be like 100%, right? But we, we also might not we also might not ever get past the 40-yard line. You know, it, right. you, so it's it's tough. Another listener question we have, we're going to switch to special teams. We'll probably wrap back around to some of this other stuff, but someone asked me offline to ask you this. Did you see the extra point block? Uh, uh, yeah, game. yeah. What 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 did you think on that? Like with with DeGuara, did he just zone out? What do you what do you think that was there, man? Oh gosh, I, you know, honestly, I'd have to look at it again. I don't okay. want to. I, I have no, no idea. Yeah. I'd have to look okay. at it again. Yeah, I, I was wanting to ask you about it because it, it just seemed it, it was it was kind of an odd play. It was it was like he froze in the moment, but that extra point, man, that's really what kept us from kicking those field goals later in the game, right? I mean, it's it's amazing. One point, one special teams play can make all the difference. But uh, thought we'd take a shot there on defense. Back to defense, you know. You get this draft coming up, right? It's funny we're already talking about the draft, but that's what happens when the playoffs are not in view, right? But, right. You know, some people are saying, okay, uh, you, you've got to make sure you've got the quarterback of the future. Whatever you got to do if, if he's not the guy, right? I know you've talked, uh, you know, over and over about you've got to build up these trenches, both on offense and defense. When you look at the defensive side of the ball and the defensive line, am I am I wrong saying we don't have the guy there to anchor that defensive line especially when it comes from a run defensive perspective because like you could tell that Goody when he drafts defensive line he's he's thinking pass rush first at least it seems that way all the analytics kind of show okay this is a pass rushing uh, interior defensive lineman Wyatt was one of those guys obviously uh Kenny Clark you watch him you know split gaps sometimes uh in the pass black uh, or the pass rush and it's like holy cow like it, that, that looks elite but then you watch in the run game, and it's like, are they not putting him in a position to play? Are we are we good enough up front on the defensive line moving forward? Do we have those pieces that we want to build this defense around? What do you? How do you see that up front, the defensive line? That's a great question. I mean, I, two years ago, I thought Kenny was one of the premier guys in the league for what he did. Same. He's, same. he's not. He's not a, a, a Williams. You know, the Jets guy. He's not Quentin Williams. He's not that kind of player. In right. other words. He's not an Aaron Donald, but for what he for what he's asked to do, I think he's really good at what he does. And if you, it's like doing what he's asked to do. If he gets you a pass rush at all, it's like a it's a it's like camera, it's a bonus. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but I but having said that, I've always thought like man, he could actually be a lot more than you're allowing. If you made him a penetrating player, I think he'd be a better player. Uh, now I don't know if that's the case now because 
he hasn't he hasn't perfected his pass rush. But I think you know four three four years ago, if you switch defenses, I think by now you've got somebody who's probably playing at, at a whole different level from a production standpoint, at least from a number standpoint. I don't mm. think. I like TJ Slayton. Um, I don't think that they have got like every like everybody's a pro, so they're going to have games where they play well. Do you have a Dexter Lawrence on this team? No, no, you just don't. Do you have a Quinn and Williams on this team? Like if I start going through the real dogs in this in this league, do you have one? The answer is no. Right. Yeah, it, and I think that's just the, the hard reality. And what the three four. What the three four usually has is a, is a real stud nose tackle. Yep. You know, historically, right. But then they have kind of you know these different bodies six five three oh five three ten long limb like defensive ends, or you can have the more stout guy, but guys that are kind of going to give you problems angrily, and then you have some two outside pass rushers that, that you know kind of do damage for you. The thing that you have to have there though is dudes who can get off blocks at the linebacker position. Mm. Ray Lewis goes to a three four. He ain't Ray Lewis anymore. Remember when he lost Goose and, yeah. and Sam Adams? For, it was a there was Great. a couple of years there where things weren't going as well because he he don't know how to play in that in, in a place where a guard can just rise up on him. All right, and it's it doesn't mean his greatness is any diminished. It's just that's that's the name of the game. So right. you have to have the right personnel around these guys to be successful. Again, it goes back to is the three four the right way to go with this team? Right. Given your given it second everything. And I, I just, you know, for me, I just don't know that the answer is yes. I would rather have another athletic linebacker on the field than like a third D tackle right now. Everyone's yeah. talking about we want more D linemen on the field. I'm like, no, nah, I'd actually rather have, you know, two really, really good penetrating defensive tackles. Yeah. And then supplant that with more kind of super athletic 250 pound dudes. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. I don't want to put words into your mouth, but it kind of kind of seems like if uh, if there is a change made this offseason on the defensive side of the ball, um, I think there's a chance they switch to 4-3. It's been a long time, hasn't it? It's been a long time. I mean, there's a chance for anything. Listen, I, I, I would say this. If they – if you make whenever, – whenever I see um, a team make a change and they just hire internally, like you fire the coordinator but you hire the linebackers coach – I'm like, what the hell did you do that? That was a complete waste of time. Yeah. You know, not that the linebacker's coach might not, might might be deserving, but it's like whether it's for your owner, your fan base, for the people in the locker room, you need to if, if you're gonna have that break, it's it's not just the guy, it's kind of it's probably the philosophy and the mesh with the players that you have in the locker room. Take hmm. a hard look at what you need to do and come up with a conclusion that's probably gonna be. A little more hand in the ground, four down linemen. If you want to, if you want to run that base defense, it's like it used. Bill Belichick when he's whenever the three four became popular, Bill Belichick was basically doing it because he's like, man, there's all these really unique defensive ends out here that nobody wants. Yeah. How can I make this work? And he started just being able to pick out of the fifth round dudes who were like, I mean, Seymour's a first round guy, but you know they picked guys third, fourth, fifth round that were just 10, 12 year starters. Yeah. And nobody else wanted them. Yep. And he, but you have the right system, you have the right people and you teach it the right way right now, you know, and, and then back in the day when they started changing it up, it would be like, we're going to run this three, four, but we're going to go into a 25 to three twenty five defense at three fifty seven. In other words, you'd move, we'd move one of the ends down to three technique. They could rush the passer. So what it was, and now what it's kind of turned into 
are kind of two different things. And at least for the Green Bay Packers, once you get us in that base defense, like I would feel as an offensive coordinator, an offensive lineman, runs a run game guy, I would feel confident I could run the ball all day long against that team. Got it. That's a scary place to be. <laughs> it's a scary place to be. When, you know, because from the defense's perspective, obviously you're matching personnel and you feel you're supposed to feel confident. Okay, when they go to 21, when they go to 12, we're 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 sending our big boys out there. We're playing two gap and let's go 34 front. And then all of a sudden, no, that that doesn't do the job anymore. Now we're talking about putting that safety in the box. Now we're talking about maybe being too overly aggressive on on one side of the field, man. It's just uh it's fascinating, man. It's a uh, you know, I I was expecting somewhere between six and ten wins, leaning towards six going into the season. And then when you kind of see this team losing by one score, right? That's kind of surprised me a bit too. Like we're pretty much in every single ball game. What, you know, I, I want to ask you what's missing. Why can't they get over that hump? And and I know the inexperience at quarterback, obviously you're missing Aaron Rodgers, putting you in the perfect situation all the time, but also like you highlighted on your, on your video, you know, when Aaron Jones, I think he caught the pass out of the backfield, maybe it was the arrow or whatever, and number 50 just makes an amazing play, trips him up and prevents a touchdown. It's like that happens, Mike, every single game where it's like that's the play. The Keyshawn Nixon interception where he just didn't drag his feet. It just seems like every game something like this happens where that's the reason you you fall just a little bit short. You lose by four as opposed to winning by three. And I know the rest of the game has to play out, but is that there's – There's a lot of those. The thing is, is if you watch any other game, though – if you watch any other game, those those are there's a lot of those plays, right? Mm -hmm. We just harp on them because we you lose. Right. Um, but listen to you. Know, okay, so you score 17, you score 10, you score 20, and you score 19. That's, that's losing football. That's a what that's a one and three, one and three if you're lucky. It was exactly what we are in the last four games. So, yeah. you know, why why are you not why are you not winning? Your defense isn't playing bad. 19, 24, 3, and 23. It's not bad. <laughs> you probably take it, you know, beginning of the season, you go, Hey, you're going to give up. What's the, the, the average of that is probably somewhere around what 20 points, uh, 17, mm -hmm. 17 points. Cause of the, cause of the three in there. Yep. Maybe 15. You'll, you'll take it. Right. And so what happens is the same thing that we went into the season with, you got a first year starter quarterback, you're that everybody is talking up. Listen, anytime everybody's talking somebody up that much, it's like, who are you trying to impress? Okay. Right, right. Uh, you got all first-year guys in, in the tight end room. You got all first- and second-year guys in, in the wide receiver room. Where are your mentors? <sighs> like, where where are your players that you learn from? You don't, Everyone thinks that you get these coaches, oh, we coach them up. I'm just – I'll tell you right now. You learn the most from the players that that are have played and, are t and can teach you the, in the nuances of the game. The coaches are extremely important. They set the culture. They set the scheme. They teach you the X's and O's. It's extremely important. The intimate, this is how it feels when I you get your hands inside moment, or this is where your footwork and this play is going to be, and here's why. Talking in the details of a player who just stepped off the field, is sitting in there and helping you do the same thing that he's trying to do, there's a value in that that they're just not getting. And that's why you see so many, in my opinion, that's why you see so many of the lack of ability to get on the same page from that from that kind of core group, right? Like you, how many times during the game from a timing, execution, spacing, everything, 
are, is the quarterback, all the tight ends, and all the wide receivers that are on the field on the same page. Like, yeah, not as many as not nearly as what it should be. And that's probably why, or at least a big part of it. Yeah, I mean, because as you're saying that, I'm thinking when you came in the league, obviously Frank Winters, right? He's one Frank, of those. Jeff Dallenbach, yep. Yep. And then you have, you know, obviously Flanagan. You kind of step into Flanagan. And and then, of course, Towser's when, – when did Towser come into the league? What year were you in the league when Towser stepped in? No, he was back? my he – was, so he was my third year. But, yeah, your, your point is the – and Ch- and so it was Chad's, Chad's yeah. draft and, you know, Chad and Tausch. Yeah. So – but you see the cycle. You yeah. have a 15-year vet, and then Jeff Dellenbach started in, in Miami for like 10 years. So he's like a 14, 15-year guy. So you got yeah. two old guys, right? You got Matt Willig comes in. He's a journeyman. But you got dudes that are like old, crusty guys that have played the game and just – Here's how, like, this is how we're, be, this is what a professional does. Yeah. All right. This is how a professional treats meetings. I'll never forget Mike Holmgren, my first year. I'm like, like I'm not sleeping through meetings, but like, I'm not playing. I'm just practicing real hard. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just kind of trying to figure things out. And, uh, hey, you, Friday, you weren't playing because of that holdout, though, right? <laughs> Let's talk. Well, yeah, that right. cracked me up when you told that story, man. Go well, ahead. I'm sorry. So, so Mike, so Mike on a Friday, we do red, red zone install. It's like week 12. It's like November, doldrums of November, right? It's like this time of year. Everyone's just kind of like, Jesus, get to December so we can make our playoff push. <laughs> and uh, on Friday, Mike's like, I'm not doing red zone today. And he just goes, Frank, you're installing red zone. Okay. Wow. Frank Winters walks up to the front and it's Frankie. So he's like, you know, he's, he's, he's not like serious about it. He's like goofing around with it. But Frankie knows all the plays, all the formations, all the routes. And he starts going, you know, we run, uh, you know, 72 shallow trucks, shallow X shallow cross Z Dino or something. And he goes, Brett, didn't you throw a pick on this last year versus the bears? <laughs> He's like, yeah, we were on the 17. Yeah. You threw a pick on this. Ah, you know, like he knows all of it. And so it made like, I, that was one of the moments in my rookie year where I was like, Oh my God, I got to get, I have to get a lot more like football <laughs> IQ. I got to know a lot more of what's going on. Like it's not just what I'm doing. It's what, everybody's doing and i don't know that they have that just by default of you got rid of alan sorry you got rid of randall cobb you got rid of mercedes lewis like where are those guys i think it's tough and then on the defensive side of the ball young secondary you get rid of rasul douglas just like you said earlier it's like what where is that Ah. and that's a group in particular that by definition you have to be a little bit more of an individual right like jair alexander is he could be a team leader, team captain, or what you know. And I'm not saying that he's not, but by definition, for the because of the requirements of what you were asked to do, you kind of got to be a little bit more about yourself, right? Yes. So if you've got a guy like in Rasul who seemed to be like the glue, and again, you just it's like you, it's that cycle of time back late. You you know the goody goes okay. Well, we got rid of Mercedes, we got rid of that. Okay, so that's a problem because we don't have these people. So it's going to take a little bit of time. We're looking toward the future, and then the coaching staff goes. Well, we don't have leadership in those. You, you, you left us without Mercedes, without Randall Cobb, without Alan Lazar. Like, where is our leadership? You get rid of Sewell Douglas on the other side. The players are saying, like, so it's it's this it's eats it eats itself where both sides are not culpable for anything. And again, like, I'm not saying that to be like their dastardly maneuver or something, but this right. is the way that you see NFL franchises operate more often than not when things aren't going great. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, and I mean the cherry on the top there too. And and Jason Wildy actually reported on his podcast that he talked off the record to several players in the locker room and they did not appreciate 
Brian Gutekind's comment when he said the offer was too good to pass up in trading Russell Douglas. Hmm. I mean, that's a real thing, right? I mean, that's a real thing in the locker room. It's got to be. Like, I think I think one of the hardest jobs in the National Football League is general manager be- because you have to be as dispassionate as you. It's almost like it would be better oh. if you never talk to the players. You know, you have to be. And the thing is, Green Bay has a long history of not being dispassionate. John Schneider. I mean, I remember vividly. John Schneider would. I'd be walking down the hall, and he'd be like, "Bro, you are you are killing it, man." He'd just talk you up. Yeah. John Dorsey. We'd be playing basketball against each other. He'd try to knock the shit out of you. And, sorry for the language, but That's he would not- try to knock the hell out of you. You know, and play. We're playing hoops. He'd come in and be like, "Bro, you are the you know you're playing the best. You're the best left guard in the NFC right now." That's you know, he I mean, he would just talk you. They were so committed to you doing well, right? You know, but they weren't the general manager, right? Ron, Ron would never say anything to you. Really? Yeah. You see what I mean? Like yeah. he would say hi and everything, but he would he's not talking to you. Up. That's a dispassionate position. Gotcha. And so, and so Goody's out there, you know, he's basically saying like, I, I got to think about this long-term, but again, it goes for me, it goes back to what is the value of you picking up a top 100 pick given the record of your top 100 picks right? versus a Rasul Douglas. And, and with the, let's, let's talk, you know, numbers for a second, the salary cap hit on Rasul Douglas next year was, I mean, for a starting corner and a leader on your team, nothing, nothing. Nine million. Yeah. Nothing. It, was, it was nothing. So yeah, it's, it's, Listen, all of this stuff again. I I um, I I try to approach like when I watch film. I, I don't have favorite players. You know, right. I try to I try to be objective with all this stuff. I, I'm a former player. I love Green Bay. It's the best organization in, in football, in my opinion. It doesn't mean they're they're um, free from any scrutiny. And certainly, this stuff to me feels a little bit like. Not necessarily a COIA, but next year in the offseason, I guarantee people are going to be talking about, well, we didn't have any leadership in this room. Well, we got rid of Sewell. And so and both sides, coaching staff, personnel group, are going to be using the same argument to yeah. understand why we were, you know, five-win team or whatever whatever they turn out to be. Definitely. Um, Jake Shavink in the chat, and this is the last question. We're going to let you go, Mike. Thank you for going along with us, buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it's mostly the explosive plays in the running game. I think I seen a, some numbers come out earlier today. I, I know they're you know in the bottom five as far as how many explosive plays they're giving up in the running game. We're making you we're making you DC for the day, and you got full mm-hmm. control over the defense. What do you do to fix these explosive plays on on defense in the running game specifically? Uh, on Wednesdays, I have a I have a twenty minute tackling session where I teach people how to tackle. <laughs> There you go. No, I know it sounds really stupid. Is it really that simple? Yeah, I know it sounds stupid, but these guys don't have to. These, are, these guys are bad tacklers. Yeah. I mean, I, I did this. I used to work for a team. I won't, I won't, I won't. I used to consult for a, a, a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I was doing some tackling stuff for them. And I used to so one thing I would do is I I I'd show them, I go, listen, you missed 10 tackles this game. Okay. Here's the amount of free yards that they got because you couldn't make a tackle at the line of scrimmage or whatever, wherever it was, four yard gain turned into a 10 yard. gain, And the numbers were like, it was like 120 yards one game where the team had given up 200 plus yards. So you start looking at these games and you go, you know, if you could just tackle and do your job tackling, you would hold not 205 yards. You'd hold them to 105 yards and you'd probably win the football game. And it sounds stupid because you know, they'll try to scheme they'll try to scheme it away 
But the reality is, if you teach your kids how to tackle, you're not going to have a lot of these problems. Like yeah. you get beat on scheme a handful of times in the game. You get beat on poor fundamentals or like I you beat me or I beat you. That happens a hell of a lot more than me just getting beaten on a scheme. And that's how the game works. Yeah. Did we ever figure out what they were practicing when they had the, the practice dummies out there and they were diving? I didn't think. I don't know what it was, but and, and I wasn't trying to be like I started looking at it. I was actually curious because yeah. I I I took a legit guess too, and I was way off base, but I'm like, I can't figure it out. I mean, if they were trying if they were working on cut blocking, that's the only thing that made sense because that's terrible tackling form for for so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, it just, it, I just go back to if you're if you're not really good at the basics of the sport, mm-hmm. it's like if you if if your soil isn't have all the nutrients in it, like don't worry about what's going on above the earth. Like if you can't tackle right, yeah. stop putting in all these calls and switches and checks and all this kind of stuff because you can't tackle right. Like you're masking the problem, you know, that's why Pete Carroll, when they brought in the Legion, the boom, and they had all that success. And like, he's like, yeah, man, we're running cover three. Uh, You you know what I mean? And and it's like, I'm I'm oversimplifying it, but the reason that they're always good is they don't miss tackles. Like it's not, it's not rocket science. No, it makes a lot of sense. You got to have that foundation. You got to have that foundation. Mike, I can't thank you enough, buddy. This was a blast. Every time I think I've got something figured out, you straighten me out. And I really appreciate your insight. I, I, and listen, I know you probably just say, oh, whatever. I'm, I'm serious. Thank you for taking time away from the family and what you got going on to come on here and talk ball with us. Because everybody, all of our listeners, we want to become better educated on the game of football. And we know that's what you're doing with process to perform and everything. Uh, we just can't thank you enough, man. I really appreciate it. No, you got it. You know, I, I honestly, I when I was playing, all of the guys, Doherty, Wildy, who's a great dude, yeah. Bob McGinn, if we're being honest, they really didn't understand football. I mean, they reported on it. It was their job and they're very, and they're professionals. But right. if you just sat there and, you know, I, I wanted to talk real ball with guys, they couldn't really talk with you. And I just remember thinking, these are the people that are the sounding boards for everybody, how everybody perceives how I'm playing. Like that doesn't seem very, so the real, the only reason I, I, I like, I talk to everybody, you know, I want everybody to be as educated as possible. Mm-hmm. Because I've been on the other side of it and it's, it's really hard to, it's not like everybody says I turn their phone off. Dude, you know what's going on. Like, you know right. what people talk about about you. Right. And, it, and there's not, there's nothing worse. There, there's nothing worse than, than you, you playing one way and some guy putting a screenshot up and oh. saying, oh, you're playing another way. Right. right. And you know, your Twitter and all this stuff, it's really tough. So the more people that can kind of, be passionate as you want, but be passionate and educated. Absolutely. You know, cause I, cause it, and, and honestly, in my opinion, I don't know about you, Clayton, but the more I know about something, the more, the more I find it entertaining to watch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it, people ask me, how can you do a podcast every single day on the same topic? And it's like, there is so much to learn. And as soon as you learn it, the game changes, right? Something, there's a minor tweak here. There's a, there's something cyclical in nature, but like I said, we're a, uh, I'm, this thing's got me by the heart. There's no doubt about it. And uh, like I said, man, we really appreciate your time. We don't take it lightly. So thank you so much, Mike. You got it. All right. That's Mike Wall, 11-year NFL offensive lineman, seven with your Green Bay Packers. Guys, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at MikeWall68, doing awesome stuff over at Process to Perform. Also, go sub to his YouTube channel. I'm telling you, 
it's it's top notch. It's the first thing that I look for. So just want to thank everybody in here for hanging out in the chat. Um, for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pack go. The power sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Get a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley.